Spirit. And you know what? The Holy Spirit wants to be your BFF as well. And so you want to, uh, that's what this series is about. We're in the second part. If you missed the first part, this is kind of a growth line upon line series. So if you missed last week, it's not that you won't understand today, but last week is really going to help you. And so I encourage you to get online, podcast it, download it, watch it, something, and follow and track through with us as we look at the Holy Spirit. But this week, we're looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can embrace all everything else that we're going to learn about as it comes in the future weeks. But the, as the Holy Spirit, as our soulmate. Now, we understand this phrase, soulmate, in this incredibly intimate term. And this idea that it's not, you don't have a whole bunch of soulmates. You know, you, you've got, there, it's, it's this place of, of intimacy. And so we're going to be really delving into this. And let's go ahead and grab your notes. Uh, I like to have a phrase that rolls us through and is constant throughout our series. And uh, it says, Jesus told us that it is so much better for us that he goes away so that the Holy Spirit will come to us. We need to make sure that we're not ignoring the person of the Holy Spirit who wants to be our very best friend. God sent the Holy Spirit as Jesus left. The Holy Spirit came to, to live not only among us, but within us. Now, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit means that we acknowledge that he is a person and not an it. And you say, okay, Brandon, this sounds pretty elementary. Well, there are a lot of folks out there that relegate the person of the Holy Spirit to this it, to this force, to this mystic Jesus cloud or something. They, they, they don't really understand what the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is a, is a person, is the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lee, uh, I had, had heard a, a minister who made a, a comment, and it, it provoked a conversation, Lee Francis and I were having earlier this week, that, uh, that you know, the, the minister said, you know, I think it has to do with the name, that if, if God would have given the Holy Spirit a different name, then we'd be able to, but that just kind of is, we're not used to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, Lee said, you know, it would have been cool if, you know, God would have named the Holy Spirit like Ted. You know, because you, you can have a relationship with, with Ted. And they're like, you know, and then the really formal churches, they could call him Theodore. And then so and, and pray to with Theodore and invite Theodore. And then those really radical, those really wild churches, uh, Lee said they could they could call him the Tedster. And uh, they, they would be real, real loose with it. And um, but honestly, what I think is, is that the name does present an issue. I think it does. But I don't think it has, I think the problem is the fact that we don't see ourselves primarily as spirits. So therefore, this idea of having a relationship with a spirit sounds bizarre. Because we don't see ourselves primarily as spirits. Because see, we are spirits, we possess a soul and we live in a body. But we are spirits. That's the eternal part of us. That's the part that comes alive when we accept what Christ has done for our, for, our, for our lives. But we don't see ourselves primarily as spirits. So then we think of having a relationship 
with the Holy Spirit, it's like he's something that we're not. And that's just not the case. We can understand having with the man Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with the man Jesus, but this Holy Spirit thing, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. This is, this is just different. That's because we don't understand ourselves as spirits, but we are. And that's why the Holy Spirit, we learn later on that in our prayers it ought to be a spirit calling unto spirit. It goes in this deeper, more intimate place. But we do understand that a person has a personality. Okay? Or a person has a soul. And we're going to look at this in a minute. And a lot of times it's, we don't think about God as having a soul. And we looked last week that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. There's tons of scriptural uh, bases for that. We looked at that last week. If you need some more study on that, look at last week's message. And so here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 18, we see that we see God referring to his soul. This is in Matthew. This is referring a, a fulfillment of a prophecy that Isaiah had of speaking from the Father God. It says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. And then we see Jesus in Matthew twenty six thirty eight refer to his soul. And it says, and then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, soul is one of those things, it's, it, it's like, what on earth is this? What are you talking about, Brandon? Well, it's, it's, we can break it down and understand it this way. A soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Or... You can also look at it as thoughts, desires, and feelings. But that is what our soul is. And that's we want to make sure that we understand God. Our, our soul is, is a wonderful, beautiful thing. But as we are spirit, soul, and body, things have to be led in that proper order. We let our, our body rule and our body's urges rule. We're going to be all out of whack. We let the soul rule. And we're going to be off. We have to make sure that it's spirit, soul, and body. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us for our, <clears throat> to help our, us have a transformation of our soul. When we receive Christ, our spirit is born fresh. It was dead in its trespasses. And it is born and it is alive. It is eternal. But now we have to deal with this mind, will, and emotions parts of us. Now we have to deal with these, with these life cycles and these habits and the, these thought processes, this soulish part. And the Holy Spirit is our soulmate that helps us to begin because the Holy Spirit is God and begins to help us to think like God, to desire or to will like God, and to feel like God. And we understand, us, we understand soul transformation one of my favorite movies of all time. I've loved this movie since I was 12 years old, the first time I saw it. And one of my favorite movies, period. And not just as a holiday movie, but it, it's relegated to that. But I just think it's an awesome anytime movie, and it's called It's a Wonderful Life. I love that movie. I was, just couldn't believe that it was actually floundered in the box office and wasn't like this massive hit when it first came out, which it, it, was, it was considered that a failure as a movie when it first came out. And then God had esteem later. But we watched George Bailey... 
as he's dealing with all of this, with his mind, his will, his emotions, his thoughts, his desires, his feelings, and we catch him at a place where he is so upset with his life that he's ready to take his life. He's ready to commit suicide and jump in to this deal because he is thinking wrong. And Clarence, the angel, comes along, gives him this incredible glimpse of what life would be like if he had not been born. And he sees life as if he had never existed. And he really thought it would be so much better for everybody. And then at the end of the movie, he's just running down the street. And it's the, the, the climax of the movie. It's awesome. He's running, jumping, woohoo, you know, and screaming, you know, that he, that he had wrecked his car. And, and there's, he just loves the car and the tree that he hit. And, and he, he loves the old building and loan and that he had just felt like was a cage. And he just is excited and he loved everything. Why? Because the way he thought changed. His desires began to change. His emotions began to change. He was in the exact same position. He still owed the same money. His mouth was bleeding. And all of a sudden he was going, my mouth's bleeding, my mouth's bleeding. It's one of the great lines. He's so pumped. Why? Because his, he was in the middle of a huge dilemma. His problem did not go away. But his soul got transformed. His mind, his will, and his emotions shifted. And everything who he was changed. The Holy Spirit is to do that in our lives, to bring soul transformation, to change us from the inside out because our life is made up of our daily choices. And our choices are made, our choices are made with our mind, our desires, and what we feel at the moment. That's where, and so let's look. Now, we've talked about this before. If you've been in Celebration Church very long at all, you know, I, I just think this is the the... the Everything swings on this verse right here. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. It says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are to choose life. But if we're jacked up in our soul, we are going to continue to choose the wrong things. If we're messed up there, we're going to choose the wrong things. Let's look at 3 John 1. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came, and, or the brothers came, and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Walking in the truth and prospering or thriving in the area of the soul walk hand in hand. They go totally hand in hand. And that's where we jump over here to John sixteen thirteen, And it says, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit of truth is going to guide you into all truth. You're going to enter into this place. As you embrace the truth where it brings about this shift in your soul. And the things you think about. And the things you desire. And the way you feel on the different issues in your life as you allow the Holy Spirit to bring this internal shift, this trend, 
transformation. And it becomes with having this personal relationship, this intimacy, where all of a sudden where the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions that of, the, of the Holy Spirit become our own. Now, I've told y'all stories on my grandfather before. And on my papa, well, they've, I got to do years back, about five years ago, in fact, I got to do their 50th um, vow renewal. And so that was so awesome that I got to be them when they were renewing their vows. And I got to be the minister there, and it was so sweet. And um, anyways, but they've been married a, a long, long time. And in that process, I mean, they just, that idea of oneness coming together, of, of that time of just spending time together, that, that you just, you, the lines between who is who begins to blur. And it was hilarious one day when my grandfather, and I love to ha- have him tell stories, and he, you know, he tells the same stories all the time, and I love to hear them all the time. And, but this one day, he starts telling this story. And I wasn't familiar with this story. And uh, he starts talking about that they were real, when he was young, I mean, they were poor, poor. I mean, they used to sweep out a chicken coop, and they lived in a chicken coop. I mean, they were poor, poor. And so him and his, two of his brothers had to share a bed. So they're all squished in this bed. Well, he ended up having to sleep in the middle. That, that part of the story was true. Well, my grandmother, same scenario. Wasn't as poverty-stricken, but she had to share a bed with two of her sisters. And uh, anyway, so he's telling this story that at night, you know, it would be real cold. And one brother would grab the covers and tuck it in and roll one way. And the other brother would grab the covers and tuck and roll the other way. Well, it pulls it tight. So he's like laying under the tent and all this air is getting in there and freezing. And he's telling this story about, you know, and I just lay there and shiver. And my meemaw goes, Joe, that is not your story. That is mine. That did not happen to you. That happened to me. And he goes, oh, mama, that's your right. And we just cracked up. But the line, because of the intimacy, then the time spent together and really identifying with each other, that line began to blur. He began to think like she thought and feel like she felt. And all of these different things. As we begin to spend time with our best friend, our soulmate, the Holy Spirit, the, who is, it is so much better that we have and that Jesus is gone. And all of a sudden, we now begin, God's story becomes our story. God's desires become our desires. The way God feels on something is the way we begin to feel about it. The Holy Spirit brings this transformation. And then we begin to be little Christs, little Christians. We begin to be the body of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit. And so the first one we're going to look at is that the Holy Spirit has a mind and will help you align your thoughts with his thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. God, we received the Holy Spirit to abide and to live within us, to fill us up. And that Holy Spirit has the thoughts of God. We can have those, those same thoughts, but we have to make sure that we listen and we don't let our own input begin to try to override and we default back to what we want to. I was, got my pilot's lesson years ago and hadn't, be, hadn't got the opportunity to fly, but I, I haven't done the IFR. I'm only VFR. I have to be able to see where I'm going. Um, but they make you 
learn to trust those instruments. And they make you get under the hood where you can't see the horizon, you can't see anything. You're up in the air, and you're doing all this stuff, and you're not allowed to look at anything but those instruments. And those instruments tell the truth. They always tell the truth. And you may feel like you're falling or you're sideways running up, but those instruments, they say you're good, you're good. And you better do what those things say instead of the other. The Holy Spirit begins to do that in our lives. When Lyndon began to, went to ride her first roller coaster, we were in Six Flags in Georgetown when we were on her, not Georgetown, Georgia, uh, Atlanta. There's not a Six Flags in Georgetown, by the way. It's, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we were going to ride this roller coaster, real basic. It's like, it was the first loop roller coaster. It's called the Mindbender. And uh, so it's real simple and just has these little lap belt things. But you go upside down. And Lyndon gets in there, and she's looking for this, like, harness system. She's, like, ready to, like, all be all laced in there and ready to go. And it's just this little thing. And, of course, she just weighs nothing. And she's like, Dad, are are you serious? This is it? This is all? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And she's like, but, Dad, we're going to go upside down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall out. I was like, no, baby, actually notice. When you're upside down, when you're totally upside down, you're actually going to feel like you are going through your seat, not coming out of it. Because of the centrifugal force, that force that's actually keeping you steady, it, it's, you're gonna, it's pushing you to your seat. You could actually just remove the be- lap belt at all. And you just, you'd be just fine and it's doing its job. So it's just there to just so you don't flop out to the side or something. I said, you don't actually need that. It's not doing anything for you. And that's the way it is when we are with and walking with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit, is we have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us into all truth. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And part of this growth in Christ and the growth with the Holy Spirit is so important. Now, you look in the Bible there in Corinthians chapters 12 and chapters 14 are talking about the Holy Spirit, the operations of the Holy Spirit. Sandwich right there in the middle is 13 about love. And here it was when I was a child. I talked like a child. I thought like a child. And I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is help us begin to put childish ways behind us. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Thoughts can be disobedient. They can be going contrary to Christ. And we have to bring them into this place where they're obedient unto Christ. And the Holy Spirit does that in our lives if we would allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do that. The Holy Spirit also has a will. And I help you desire the things that He desires. Psalms 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. See, there is the, there's the general will of God, which is revealed in the Bible, and the specific will for your life never violates the general will of God. It just doesn't. 
But the specific will of God, what God wants me to do on different things, is, is, is not, by his, not by His word, but by His voice via the Holy Spirit as He guides and directs me. And He does the same thing for you. Now, I, my, uh, growing up, my parents were watched real closely who our relationships were. And my sister brought home this friend one time who she smelled of cigarettes, which we just we didn't do it. My dad was incredibly allergic to cigarettes, and that just in my mother's mind said that, okay, that was already a bad life choice. You don't need friends that smoke. And I found out that she that this individual um, had uh, would would drink and would party some and all this. And so my mom was really really planning on telling my sister that this friend could not be her friend anymore. But my mother had a quiet time and, and was really in her quiet time wasn't even necessarily bringing this up. And the Holy Spirit just really convicted her that she did not need to run this girl off out of my sister's life. So my mom just like, okay, this kind of. You know, my, my normal parenting thing would say, no more. But she listened to the Holy Spirit. And it was just within a couple weeks that I met that friend of my sister's. And that friend of my sister's came to know Christ. And came to be the most dear person around in my life. And the mother to my children. And preached a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, and so, but my wife's life did not align with who, where God was going to be taking her at that time. Where, where he was going to be taking her. And my mother had to have the Holy Spirit or she, her knee-jerk reaction would have been to ostracize. Now, maybe we would have got hooked up anyways. And then there would have been all this tension between my wife and my mother because my mother ran her off. I mean, who knows? But bless God, my mother listened to the Holy Spirit before the, for the specific will of God. Acts 16, we see it that now they had gone through Fergie in the region of Galatia and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. You look at that word forbidden and that, and that is to exert one's will. It was they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now later on they preached in Asia, but this was... At that moment, the Holy Spirit was directing them. And uh, again, we see the desires of God that if you had known what, the, what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. And then Ephesians 5 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or excess or, or, or doing silly things. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Doing the will of the Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit are interconnected. In Acts 15, it says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. There was a, this will there that they were discerning when it came to the work of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, as we close, it says the Holy Spirit has emotions and will help bring life to your feelings. So many times in this area of people's feelings, their, their feelings are the, la the last thing they're bringing is life. They're out of whack. They bring frustration. They bring all sorts of stuff, conflicting um, thoughts even. Their feelings begin to invade all these different areas. And we need to make sure that we are listening 
to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will bring life to our emotions. And the Holy Spirit does have emotions. And we see this in Ephesians 4.30. And it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's there in the middle of that text that you have. We're going to look at the whole thing. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now listen to me. We're going to take just a little minute here. Because you don't hear you come to Celebration Church and you don't hear a whole bunch of preaching about sin, 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 sin. And if you're on one end of the spectrum, you can say, well, you know, Pastor Brandon just waters this down and he thinks that sin isn't an issue and all this kind of stuff. And then on the other end, you're like, oh, great, because I think sin isn't an issue and we're, we're just free in Christ and we can do whatever we want to. We are free in Christ. We are. We are. And we hammer this. It is by grace, by grace alone. But God does call us to grow in this area of righteousness, okay? And the work of the Holy Spirit does this. That's why you'll notice, I say, we have to create an environment where there's no judgment, okay? So that we give the freedom to each individual to listen to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is telling them to deal with at the moment. All of us, our plates are way too full to deal with it all at once, okay? All of us, me, the best of us in here, have too much on our plates and our growth in Christ and growing in righteousness to deal with all at once. Holy Spirit knows that. He remembers we're just dust. So he leads us in certain areas. This is what needs to be dealt with. Okay? What we're about to look at here is this is talking about where the Holy Spirit, we're going to be looking at grieving the Holy Spirit and what happens with that. This is talking as, you, as the Holy Spirit is leading you in these specific paths and telling you what you need to deal with. As the Holy Spirit is prompting you to deal with something, there's the grace there to deal with it as well. Okay? Now let's look and see what grieves the Holy Spirit. Because what we see is that sin, things where we are willfully disobeying God, where we're not letting Him lead us into life, and we're stiff-armed. It's not that we have everything else in control, but we're, He's talking about this, and we're putting the blinders on and saying, no, no, no. All right, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood or lying, and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of God. Guess what? If the Holy Spirit is convicting you on lying and all those things, those things that grieves the Holy Spirit. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. <clears throat> he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Stealing, that grieves the Holy Spirit. But must work doing something useful with his own hands. Idleness and just wasting your giftings, those grieve, that grieve the Holy Spirit. You've got to do something with your own hands. Then he may have something to share with those in need. We have to make sure that we're sharing with those in need. Selfishness and greediness and grieves the Holy Spirit. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, tearing other people down, grieves the Holy Spirit, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is this hurt that you refuse to let go of. Maybe they really did hurt you, and maybe it really was a mean thing that they did, but you have to forgive and go on. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Ultimately, we must be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. In your relationship with the Holy Spirit, 
as you embrace the Holy Spirit as your soulmate, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to talk to you about different areas in your life where you are missing the mark, where it is getting in the way of God's best for your life. As the Holy Spirit begins to do that, okay, as the Holy Spirit begins to do that, we need to walk in obedience to that. It's not what this person or that person says you need to deal with. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying deal with. And the Holy Spirit leads us in growth and in truth. As if we stiff arm God in that area of our life, then it grieves the Holy Spirit and we begin to stymie our relationship, stymie our growth. As much as if my wife is, begins to tell me about what's on her heart. Now, no, no, no. And then later on, I want to come and have a relationship with her. I want to talk to her. I want to just, you know, hang out with her. Then she's like, uh, we're, we're still back on this issue that you uh, stuck your hand up in my face over. You know, we, we, we come back to that place. And, but the Holy Spirit is so sweet about it. He's not mean. He's not judgmental. Remember, the, it, it, God is, is loving and gentle. But as we're having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to be aware that he's going to bring these things up to us. He's going to grow us up in Christ. And it's for our good and because he loves us so much. And when we understand that the Holy Spirit wants to help us with our soul transformation, then we can clearly see that the Holy Spirit really is our soulmate. When our thoughts get off, it's usually because of maybe a bitterness, maybe a lust issue, maybe a greed issue. When our desires get off, it's because of one of these things we see here that grieves the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4. When our <clears throat> feelings get off, it usually can be rooted back into there. And the Holy Spirit will talk to us and bring restoration in that area. It's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful thing. 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 Wonderful, beauti